Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd. Fa'audhu billahi minash shaytani rajim, bismillahir rahmanir rahim, kullu nafsin dha'ikatul mawd, wa innama tuwaffawna ujurakum yawmal qiyamah, فمن زحزع زحزها للنار وأدخل الجنة فقد فاز وما الحياة الدنيا إلا متاع الغرور صدق الله العظيم. My dear respected and most honourable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. First of all, we begin by thanking Allah سبحانه وتعالى by glorifying and praising Allah سبحانه وتعالى. For enabling us with this opportunity to congregate in his house to worship him, to glorify him, to send salutations upon his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we pray that Allah will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. First of all, uh, before we commence with the, the khutbah, I humbly request the brothers who are sort of scattered around, please do come forward. Let's create that, that uh, sense of jama'ah. Don't be afraid of the front stuff. Allah bless you. Jazakallah khair. Brothers, at the end, come forward. Multitudes of, uh, of men and women have walked this earth. Nobody can, in their minds, come up with a number or even prove how many just how many people have lived how many people has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created and nobody can ascertain as to how many will continue to uh, to live in the future they will belong to different sects different religions different races uh, all kinds of, of, of people some of them we know some of them made history and they etched their names in, in the books of, of, of history. Most of them, however, we have no idea of. We don't know who they are. They, were never, uh, they will never be mentioned again. Each and every individual that ever existed or that was ever created from the time of Sayyidina Adam السلام, up until Yawmul Qiyamah even though they were different everyone has a different DNA there was no two people that were the same they may have looked similar they may have acted similar at times but they were never the same they were two different people However, each and every individual created had one thing in common. We have something common with our ancestors and the people, our uh, human brothers and sisters in the future will have something, one thing in common with us. And that is that each and every individual will die. We're all going to die. We're all going to pass away. We're all going to Move on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, Kullu nafsin Every nafs, every soul shall taste death. 
and only on the day of judgment shall you be paid your full recompense. فَمَنْ زُحْزِهَا النَّارِ وَأُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةَ فَكَدْ And anyone who is distanced from the fire and admitted into the garden has triumphed. وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا مَتَاءُ And the life of this world is but a mere illusion. And this is in chapter number 3, verse 185. This verse of the Qur'an the vast majority of us have heard. Many of us have heard it on countless occasions, especially that first part of Kullu nafsin al maut. Every uh, soul shall taste death. But this, Quran, this verse of the Quran is not just about death. It doesn't just tell us or inform us of what death is or uh, the fact that each and every one, one of us is going to one day experience it. It tells us how our death will come. How we're going to experience death, it tells us that also. After informing us that we will all taste death, we are reminded of the day of judgment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِنَّمَا تُوَفَّوْنَ أُجُورَكُمْ يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ Right? That uh, whoever, and on the day of judgment, you should be paid your full recompense. So it reminds us that we'll have to answer on the day of judgment for not only our death, but for the way we lived our lives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us. Then we're told, فَمَنْ زُحْزِهَا النَّارِ وَأُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةَ فَكَدْ And anyone who is distanced from the fire and admitted into the garden, i.e. anyone who in the afterlife is successful due to the way he lived his life in the dunya, فَكَدْ Then he's going to be successful. He's going to be admitted into the garden. Then the verse ends with, it ends with some advice for those who choose to acknowledge or accept it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that don't think that you're going to remain here forever. Don't think that you're going to stay here forever. And this is going to be your final abode. This life is but a mere illusion. It's a mere illusion. You're under the illusion that you're going to remain here forever. But don't be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies that. So not only does he mention death, but he also mentions life in this verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't only talk about death, he talks about life. And if you want a good outcome in the akhirah, then know that you have to live your life according to his principles. Then know that you're going to be questioned for the way you lived your life in this dunya. And always remember that this life is but a mere illusion that you're once one day going to end up in that place. And you're one day going to be questioned. That's, that's a given. That's definitely going to happen. So that's what death is. Even then, I, uh, uh, someone asked me uh, a question. Uh, I, I vaguely remember it, I think about six or seven months ago. So what is death in Islam? It was a non-Muslim. And I said, death in Islam is not the end of life. Death in Islam is not the end of everything. 
In Islam, death is merely a transference, an intiqal from one place to another, from one abode to another. That's what we believe of death. Imam Jalal ibn Suyuti rahimahullah ta'ala, in his book Sharh al-Sudur, he mentions that death is not a mere annihilation. It's not the end of everything. He said, but it's a type of metamorphosis where the soul, the ruh, is separated. It becomes separated from the body, like the movement from one dwelling to another. That's it. The soul gets separated and moves from one dwelling to another. And, and the vast majority of the ulama interpret death as such. They say it's just a mid-transference from one world to another. In fact, some of the scholars have, have said that it's a transference from a world of hardship to a world of peace and luxury. There are many scholars, Imam, uh, Imam al-Sakhawi, one of the students of uh, Shaykh al-Islam, Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, he also translates or interprets it as such. He said, this world is hardship and death saves us from this hardship and grants us the eternal life of, of peace and luxury. So death is not the end for us. It's merely a transference from one abode to another. It's a journey from one realm to another. One that each and every person throughout history had to take. We're going to take. The people who come after us, they're going to have to take. Irrespective of who they are and how they live their lives. That same brother who asked me about Islam and death and what death is in Islam. He asked me about how death came about. And he had studied some of the, the, uh, the Christian scriptures about the coming of death. And there were some fantastical stories that he had come across. And he mentioned a few of them. I can't remember all of them. And he asked me about Islam. What does Islam say? And immediately a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ came to my mind with regards to the origin of death. In Kitab al-Zuhud of uh, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, in his Musnad, he includes a narration of Imam Hassan al-Basri, who states that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam salam and he created his progeny, the, the angels, they expressed much concern about the world being insufficient to accommodate all of the progeny of Adam So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he reassured them. He said, I shall create death, meaning people will die and then more people will be born. That way they will not become or they will not overcrowd the earth. Hearing this, the angels became slightly disturbed. And they remarked, they asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wouldn't this instill fear and remove from them the pleasure of life? Because they're constantly going to be fearing death and the coming of death. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarified and allied their fears by saying, I shall create hope and ambitions. Hope and fear are both, and I mentioned this before, they're both synonymous with one another. One cannot exist without the other. And I'll give you an example for you to understand. 
an unemployed person, for an unemployed person, a job opportunity opens up for them. And they apply for that hope. They have the hope. They apply for that job, sorry. They have the hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant them that job. They have the hope that they're going to get it. But what do they fear? Side by side with that, they fear poverty. They fear, they fear that not getting that job is going to further destabilize them and their family. They might not be able to cater for their family. They might not be able to take care of their family. So that hope and that fear go hand in hand in, a, in, in, going, for the, in, in going for the same thing. Right? So they're both synonymous with, with one another. We're supposed to fear death. We're supposed to fear the repercussions and the outcome of death and what death will bring. Because death brings a realization that there's something far bigger and there's something far greater and that we're going to be questioned and we're going to be held accountable for our deeds in this dunya. But it's also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also creates hope for us in the sense that we can make that transition easier. We, have, we can control not the manner of our death, but our comfort levels during it. There are many ahadith of the Prophet wasallam that talk about those individuals who will have an easy passing. If we live our lives in accordance with the principles of Allah and set forth by the Prophet wasallam, then we will have an easier and a far, far smoother transition. And ultimately then our questioning is in the grave is going to be easier. Our life in the barzakh is going to be easier. And then on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, we'll be able to have sufficient deeds for us to be admitted into Jannah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates those hopes and ambitions within this life. But in order for us to reach that level, in order for us to be successful, and in order for us to have a good passing, a comfortable passing, with a comfortable afterlife, we have to constantly remember this death. We have to know that it's going to come. We can't anticipate its arrival. Nobody can anticipate its, co its coming. Nobody knows this is my time. But what we can do is prepare ourselves for it when it comes. You know? There are places in, in America where uh, some one American brother was telling me that they they're guaranteed a hurricane or two sort of every six months to a year. They're guaranteed to have hurricanes. They've always had them. So they always anticipate them. The problem is they don't know when one is going to come. They can't anticipate its exact arrival until it's upon them. So what do they have to do? They have to prepare for it in advance. So they have to ensure that the houses that they build are hurricane proof. They have to ensure that things are tied down into the ground. Yet they don't know the exact arrival time of the hurricane, but they prepare for it in advance. 
So we know that the hurricane of death is also going to come. We don't know its exact time, but we have to prepare for it in advance. We have to ensure that we have everything in our lives tied down also. And one way that we can achieve that, one way that we can do that is constantly remember death. Know that it's going to come. Talk about it to yourself. Tell yourself that you're going to pass. You, this is not the end. You know, you're going to get, you're going to pass away. You're going to move on from this realm to the next. The Prophet ﷺ informed us that the most intelligent person is the one who often remembers death. That's the most intelligent person. I'm going to come across that hadith in a short while. Other hadith of the Prophet ﷺ elucidate that the constant remembrance of death prevents one from evil and sin and motivates us towards good deeds. Because if you remember death, then you remember the outcome of death. You remember that you're going to be questioned. So what, the, what happens then? You ensure that you, you begin to live a good life because you fear that outcome. You fear what's going to happen. So you think, I have to be good. I have to ensure that I, I act upon the teachings of Allah. The teachings of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ, in a hadith reported by Sayyidina Abu Huraira in Sunan al Majah, the Prophet ﷺ is reported to have said, أَكْثِرُوا ذِكْرَ حَاذِمِ That frequently remember the destroyer of pleasures. Death is something that was described by the Prophet ﷺ as حَاذِمِ it, it destroys your pleasures. It means that everything is, goes away. You can't enjoy anything thereafter because you passed away. You've moved on to the next uh, realm. So frequently remember it as often as you possibly can. This narration it clearly indicates that, that we're here. We're in this world for a purpose and not just for that pleasure. And that amusement, that this life is but a mere illusion. The Prophet ﷺ, he tells us, live in this world as though you're a wayfarer, as though you're a stranger or a traveler on his path. It's reported in, in uh, Imam Jalaluddin Suyuti in Sharh al-Sudur, he mentions that Sayyidina Isa السلام, the Prophet Jesus, he once said that this world is like a bridge. He said, this world is like a bridge. Cross it, but don't build on it. It's a bridge that we're all going to have to cross. But whilst you're crossing that bridge, or getting ready to cross that bridge, don't make yourself a permanent abode there. Don't, don't build on it. So therefore, now it's time for me to ask you this question, and to ask myself this question. How often do we remember death? How often? Daily? Every month? Once a year? Once in 10 years? Once in a lifetime? Or when it's directly right upon us? Each and every one of us is going to have a different answer. Nowadays when a person dies, the family and the close relatives, they grieve over the deceased, which is natural, because they loved that family member of theirs who passed away. And some of them remember death at that moment. Because the reality suddenly hits them. Especially if that person wasn't ill or wasn't sick and was young and was healthy. They'll think to themselves, you know, this was a young, healthy individual. He wasn't sick. He or she wasn't ill. And yet, this person has passed away. And it reminds them 
that this is something that we, each and every one of us is going to have to face. And it could come to us at any point, at any time. And it scares them at that moment. But after some time, not only do we forget about the deceased, we forget that we're one day going to experience that same reality. And this is something that's scary. This is the most scariest factor that we're going to forget. And we don't often remember it. And if we don't often remember it, we don't learn from it. We don't take the lessons or we don't benefit from the lessons of death, which is that we have to ensure that we live a good life. That's what immorality and sin and decadence it creeps into our lives. So we have to prepare for it. Intelligent students, for some of our young brothers here, intelligent students are the ones that prepare for their exams. Knowledge is easy. Knowledge can be acquired by anyone. What is knowledge? Knowledge is information. And we're all blessed, alhamdulillah, with the capacity to receive that information. But wisdom and the wise are those individuals who not only acquire the knowledge, but they learn from its benefits and allow the knowledge to benefit them in their lives. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge can be sought, some say. Knowledge can be sought, but wisdom that's gained. Wisdom is something that you pick up and not every individual has. This is why it's, it's a matter of intelligence to prepare for that account that we're going to give after we pass away. That, to prepare for that questioning that's going to come later. Prophet sallallahu alayhi he mentioned in the hadith and listen to this very carefully. He said that once a man from the Ansar, it's mentioned by one of the companions that I was with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa And once a man from the Ansar, he came and he greeted the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa with salam. And then he said, Ya Rasulullah, ayyul mu'minina afdal? Which of the believers is the most preferred? Which of the believers is the best from among them? Qal, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, ahsanuhum khuluqan. The one who has the best morals, the one who has the best character, and that's the best person from among the Muslims. And then he said to the Prophet وسلم, Ya Rasulullah, Which of the Muslims, which of the believers is the most wisest? And the Prophet وسلم, said, Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that the one who remembers death often and is best in preparing for it, they're the most wisest ones from among you all. Once the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he came to the masjid, and I'm going to narrate this very quickly, and he noticed that some people were joking and laughing with one another. They were pleased. They were, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he saw that and he, he, tears began to, to, to roll, up from, roll down from his eyes. And he said to them that if you remember death, you wouldn't do this, you wouldn't act or behave this way. If you remembered death, then you would, and you thought of your death often, you wouldn't laugh, you'd, you'd cry more and you'd, you'd laugh less. And then he said that not a single day passes when the grave does not call out. 
your grave calls out to you, saying, I am a wilderness, I am a place of dust, I am a place of worms, I am a place of misery. But when the believer is placed in that grave, a believer who had prepared for death, who had lived his life in accordance with the teachings of the Prophet who was good, who was kind, who was caring, who loved his brothers and sisters, who worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and prioritized his or her religion. When that person, when that believer, true believer is placed in the grave, the grave calls out and the grave says to that believer, welcome. It is good that you have come to me. Of all the people walking on this earth, I liked you best. You were my most favorite. Now that you've come to me, you're going to see how I entertain you. And then it expands. It expands for its occupant to see as far as he can see. It expands so that the life there becomes comfortable. A window into paradise is opened for that individual from where he could see Jannah and smell the sweet fragrances of Jannah. Then there's a contrast between that and the evil person and the bad person. The individual who wasn't kind, who wasn't caring, who wasn't loving towards his neighbors and loving towards his family, who didn't care about maintaining a good character, who didn't care about living his life in the right way. When that evil person is placed in the grave, that grave also calls out to him and says, you're not welcome here. You've come to the wrong place. Of all the people that were walking this earth, I dislike you the most. And now that you're here, you're going to see how I entertain you. And instead of it becoming wasi, it becomes tighter. And it tightens on him. Tightens further and further. And a window into Jahannam is opened up for him. So he can feel the intense heat from the flames of Jahannam. He can feel that. And he can smell the burning that it brings, the scarring. Then the Prophet ﷺ talks about the other punishments, and I'm not going to go into too much detail. We have young children here. But it, the reason as to why the Prophet ﷺ was, in, again, look at that balance between hope and fear there. That we hope for Jannah, each and every one of us does. But we have to prepare our lives so that we achieve Jannah. And in order for us to prepare in the right way, we need to have some sort of fear for Jahannam. We need to have some sort of fear for that abode. And each and every one of us is going to experience it. There's no escape. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, we cannot delay it for one moment and we cannot even bring it forward from one moment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet sallallahu in a hadith, he says that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desires a person to pass away at a certain place, he makes a need for that person at that place. 
So that person feels like I need to go to that place, there's a need for me there, there's a requirement for me to go there. And that's when his soul is taken. I'm going to narrate to you this final um, uh, hadith, this finest, final tradition, narrated on the authority of, of Kuthayma, that he mentions that once, uh, Ibn Abi Shayba also mentions this narration. And it's regarding uh, Israel, alayhi salam, the angel of death. And it's reported that once the, the angel of death, it, he appeared in the form of a man. And he came to the court of uh, Sayyidina Sulaiman, the great uh, prophet of Allah, King Solomon, as he is known, Hazrat Sulaiman. And while he was there in the court, he was gazing intently at this one particular person in the court of Sayyidina Sulaiman. And he continuously stared at that person. And once that individual moved to the side and he Sayyidina Sulaiman noticed that person, the angel of death staring at him. He asked him, and he said, Oh, sorry, the in fact, first the person asked Sulaiman and he said, Who's that person? Who's that man who keeps staring at me? And the Prophet uh, Sayyidina he informed him that this was the angel of, of, of death. And he then got scared and he said, the angel of death was looking at me in such a manner like he was about to take my life there and then. You know, it scared me for a while. And then Hazrat Sulaiman asked him, he said, what do you want? What can I do for you? you know, do, do you want me to help you, assist you in any way? You're afraid of, of uh, the angel of death? And he said, Let, take me as far away from him as possible. And the furthest that he, the furthest tribe or the furthest country the furthest land that he knew was Hind, it was India. And he said, take me to Hind, take me to the lands of Hind, as far away from this man as I possibly can be. And Sayyidina Sulaiman takes him, orders that he be taken from here to Hind. Then, as Sulaiman salam, he asked the angel of death, and he said, why did you, why were you looking, why were you staring at that man? And why had you fixed your gaze, gaze upon his face and it wasn't moving? Sayyidina Sulaiman salam, he replied that I was wondering what was going on. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had ordered me to take his life in India, yet he was standing here in front of me. Allah ordered me to take this man's life in India, but yeah, he was standing here in front of me. So there's absolutely no escape from this reality. There's no escaping it. No matter what you do, everybody desires that eternal life, trying to find the cure for death. That's something that there's no cure for. Eternal life doesn't exist in that way. Eternal life, life does exist in a different way. That your soul is going to live on. Your ruh, the most important part of you, is going to live on. But you have to prepare for it. You have to plan for that. You have to ensure that you're ready for that. And the manner of your demise and then the manner of your resurrection depends upon your life and the way you existed here in this dunya. So it's extremely important for us, each and every one of us, to remember it often. 
You know, it's not just about when a person passes away, then you remember. Remember it as often as you can, because the more you remember that you're going to die, the more it makes you, it prepares you in living your life in the right way. If any one of you who was dependent upon their jobs knew that they were going to get fired at any moment, it was possible they were going to get fired. What's, it going, to, what's going to happen? What's the outcome of that? The outcome is going to be you're going to work 10 times harder to ensure that you don't get fired, to think that you can change your boss's mind. You're going to work much harder. You're going to put more effort in. You're going to try to, do, you're going to, try to impress him in the best way that you possibly can. So think, once this, this, this is going to happen, this is, the ultimate, this is the ultimate reality. So prepare for it by ensuring that when it does come, when it does happen, then you're prepared, you're ready, and you've done all of your preparation, you've ensured that you're ready for this journey that you're now going to take. I pray sincerely that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant me and you the opportunity to, and the ability to remember our passing, our intiqal, our transference from one abode to the next as often as we possibly can. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through that ennoble each and every one of us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable each and every one of us to become better for it. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.